0: Hey guys, we are so excited that you're here. Welcome to
1: the Not Your Quick Fix podcast.
0: I'm Kara Goss, online registered dietitian and health and fitness coach. And I'm Kylie Kaiser, online health and fitness coach, and we're your hosts. This podcast is all about improving yourself physically and mentally. And y'all, neither of those things can be improved with a quick fix.
1: We are here to be real with you about your fitness and fat loss goals, your health, your mindset, and everything in between. If you're ready to open your mind to the process that self improvement requires instead of always looking for the next quick
0: fix, then this is your podcast.
1: Let's get started.
0: What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Not Your Quick Fix podcast. It is episode 88 with your girls, Kara and Kylie back from a week hiatus. I'm not going to lie to you. I texted Kylie last week and I was like, my brain is functioning at like 0% right now. So I don't know what was wrong with me when I honestly think it was like the change in altitude and just traveling and everything like that. But I was not okay at the beginning of last week. Like coming back from Colorado, I was like, I I I I have felt like my body's been trying to get sick for the last two weeks, honestly. And I feel like it's going <laughs> to catch up to me sometime this month, but I was just not okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We yeah. need were... a break.
1: Yeah. We had like planned like a personal catch-up call to come before it anyways, because like I've had a lot of like stuff going on just personally. And I was like, oh, we need like a friend update. And then we were just like, I think we just can't think <laughs> rationally today. So we should just not.
0: <laughs> yeah. It would have literally sounded like, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're always
1: gonna keep it real with you guys. I'm never gonna come on here and pretend we have a better excuse. Whatever. it was just like we just we're like not today.
0: <laughs> yeah, brain was just not functioning. So we're back, we're feeling better. I am recovered from Colorado. It was a whirlwind. That's so fun. Oh my god. It was literally one of the funnest trips. And that was my first time in Colorado. So mm. it was an absolute whirlwind. And no wonder I felt so crazy coming home because the Alta have you ever been there? Yeah. Okay. So, I've, oh, I've visited no. Josh, visited Josh has, and yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But I also went, I went skiing where the altitude was really, the, so I didn't have any problems when I visited Josh other than like doing, doing right. my Denver pre- wasn't my, that bad. Doing my prep cardio in it was rough. Like the, yeah. the training is definitely different, but oh, oh, my very God. first time I went to cardio, to cardio, to Colorado was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And mm-hmm. I was also just in way worse shape too. But yeah. it was the first time I tried skiing and I got altitude sickness the first day and a half I was there. Like I was oh, like Oh yeah. Sick
0: whenever we got into the Airbnb, I remember walking up the stairs and I was so out of breath and felt like I was about to pass out. I was like, yeah. I am so crazy right now. Every single thing that we did, it was, it's just like an inside joke now because every mm. single thing that we did for the first 24 hours, we were panting like so yeah. out of breath. It Dude. was so nuts because we went from we went from Denver to Breckenridge and it was a two hour, two and a half hour drive to Breckenridge. So we had a two and a half hour drive and a party bus. So, oh my God. And then we get there and like we have to unload all the food, unload all the alcohol, like set up all that kind of stuff. But it was just so much fun. It was a much needed like three days with my best friends, celebrating my best friend Colleen. We went snowmobiling through the mountains and like went to, we visited like the peak of like, I forget what the mountain was called, but it was uh, just absolutely incredible. Like the views were amazing. We went to Vail, bar hopping in Vail. Um, yeah, we did private chef. Like there was so much fun stuff. So it was, it was really great. Yeah.
1: yeah. I love that. I'm it so glad so that you had a good time. The pictures were excellent. Yeah, I, cannot,
0: so fun. I, I cannot believe we pulled it off. And when I tell you, so we put all of the costs in the split wise at the end of, at the end of the weekends and this did not even include the flights and the airbnb and also the the money that we the bridesmaids spent on things it was like everyone the total group spending was over ten thousand dollars oh my god now granted, not there was, including the rest of that stuff though. not Holy including shit. so like overall we probably spent like at least like i would say at least like 18k with all of us there was 15 girls okay so if you think about it like yeah yeah was but probably, still that's wild but it was insane we were like guys like next that's time a- we, next time we <laughs> ever say next time any of us has an excuse where it's like no we don't have the money like look at the split wise. <laughs> we just collected that is,
1: <laughs> that's a
0: bachelorette with a bang right there it was a bachelorette with a bang man like and it was it was just so much fun though and so much fun um celebrating our cocoa so yeah it was great i, res- and- I respect i respect that personally. I can't believe it. Honestly, I cannot believe we pulled it off with 15 girls. And it was just like, you never know when you're getting like a bunch of girls. Like I obviously, I knew half the group because half of them were my best friends and I went to college with them. But like then the mm-hmm. other half is like people that you had never met, but like we, yeah, all you meshed. never know how it's going to go. Right. Yeah. We meshed so well. The vibes were incredible. Like it was just such a fun group of girls and I'm really excited for the wedding. So Hell yeah. yeah, that was really fun. And, um, came back. This is one of your college friends. This was my college roommate and sorority okay. sister. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, yeah, her wedding's in September. Um, but yeah, so been back now, and now I'm like pretty much honestly smooth sailing for like the next few months. I was kind of looking at my summer, and I'm like, I really don't have anything crazy planned yet. Obviously, we have Taylor Swift coming up. Me and my me and my um best friends from home are trying to plan a trip and kevin and i want to plan a trip and stuff but honestly i'm so excited to just chill you know me for the next two months and like not do anything crazy so
1: my my next two months are pretty busy this month wasn't yeah. so great this month last month for me was like i've had a lot of socially going on here just which mm-hmm. is fun though because like i said i went i had a lot of months where i was just like man i'm dying to do stuff and now yeah. um, i've had a lot of things going on which has been fun but my next couple months i have a lot of things going on i I'm, i have at least one trip out I don't go anywhere. Well, technically I'm going to, I'm going to Houston next week for MGK. So um, jealous. I know. So I know. jealous. With my, mom, with my mom, which is so funny. That's going to um, be so much but fun. Houston is like, it's like a two hour drive. So like, I'll just be, it'll be like an overnight or like a two day trip. But yeah, um, the, I don't go anywhere else the rest of this month, but I've got some, like I got comedy tickets to see one of my favorite comedians here, Taylor Tomlinson. Uh, I bought I had that. I've got Bryce fine tickets. So I've got like a lot of events going on here this month. And then I go to Nashville for a week in April. Mm-hmm. Um back to Nashville, um, for, uh, I I was only going for four days and then, um, Katie invited me, my best friend invited me to stay longer for another thing. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm moving and stuff during that time. And I'm doing a little bit of like nomadic activity in April. So um, I was like, sure, why not? I have a safe place for my cat. Shout out Caleb. And I'm going to, um, you know, to stay there for a week. And I'm, I'm going there for another comedian is actually what the trips for. And then I come back and, um, I have tickets for a week long, like comedy festival here. And then I have a, um, I go to Taylor Swift in Nashville in May. So I'll be gone for like a week for that. I keep
0: forgetting you're going to see it before (laughs) us. So I'm like, oh my God, don't, how actually, no, actually, I kind of want to know, like, I want to know, I'm going to yeah. need to know if she plays some certain songs. And also
1: though, with it being, she'll probably do like last time she did like surprise. She like, I feel like I could see her doing like surprise rotation of things. Yeah. She did it. She did a surprise. And for the rep tour, she did like a surprise song at every show, like an old song from the vault, like old song every day. Yeah. She did a different one. And oh, I could see her that. doing things like that on this tour because of how much there is to cover. Right. And that way, even if you don't see it, there's going to be like footage online of stuff that you can see i can see her doing that because it's just going to be like impossible but yeah um, nashville also i guarantee she'll have like guests and so
0: oh for sure it'll probably be a
1: little different um but yeah i can't believe it starts in
0: two weeks i was like holy crap
1: I know because I'm, I'm big on Swifty Twitter. So I know there's going to be tour spoilers and part of me, I'm the same way. I, I normally don't want to know set list, but I'm kind of like, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really hard for me to avoid because it's my whole feed. Like my, yeah. my, literally I was scrolling Instagram. I remember when she announced the Midnight's album, I was mm-hmm. with my friends in Nashville and I was scrolling and they were like, your entire Instagram timeline is Taylor Swift. They're like, how many fan accounts do you follow? And I was like, don't look at this. Every <laughs> single
0: one of them. What do you think? My uh-huh. whole
1: feed was like just pictures of Taylor Swift. And That's I was like, so funny." Quiet. Um, Oh, I guess I have that. I said I don't have anything exciting. So before we get into it, I do. I I did my first, I did a comedy open mic.
0: Yes. Oh my God. That's yes. So freaking proud of you. You crushed it. It was from the bits that I saw and like, well, no, I saw the whole thing. Yeah, I I I think so. It wasn't super long, but it was incredible like your stage presence I literally told Kylie this after watching it I'm like you literally sound like you've been doing stand-up for forever like stage presence the bits like it was so freaking amazing and so funny as always thank you it was, it was exciting I,
1: I don't I don't know how much we've talked about it on this podcast I put it out into the world that I wanted to do it on the yeah. other one um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I took a stand-up class before I left Nashville and um it was something i just want to do for fun i'm not like trying to like have a career in comedy like but you never Never know um never know i i just like enjoy it it's like a fun creative outlet for me it's another form of writing honestly yeah um and then like i i've always like liked performing and being like on stage i just can't sing and dance so i'm like what you know so like it's but i I like that
0: part of it i could be that part of your act. i just
1: i you know know we got that dancing we got (laughs) we got that main character energy so i just like i'm like i I love being up there like i just don't whatever. So, um, yeah, then honestly it was short, but, um, it was a five minute set and actually at open mics five minutes is usually the longest ones you can find. Um, yeah. they're usually three, four or five minutes, depending on which venue you use. So, um, yeah. that's also been like a hard skill for me. Cause as we know, I'd be a long winded bitch. So that's been like a mm-hmm. practice for me, um, in like having to condense things. So it for was sure. really fun. I, I hope to do more. It's made me, I've had like a ton of creative ideas since then I've been like writing a lot of comp material. So, um, oh, and that I think makes so going, happy. I'm back into it. Yeah. I have like like I said, I have two comedy shows coming up. I'm going to a whole festival. Um, I'm yeah. trying to like network with some of the comedy community here. Um, it's fun. It's a cool thing. So I was
0: excited. Love that. Oh, love that so much. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. And this is just your reminder to get out there and do things that make you thing. uncomfortable. Yeah. Do the yeah. new thing for sure. Yeah.
1: And I was so grateful. I had like, I thought it was going to be just like, I invited like one friend and my roommate I invited like Caleb because I wanted somebody to come like record it and like he's known the whole time I wanted to do it and we went to some open mics like to check it out before mm-hmm. and so I invited him and then I told my roommate and then like I had like eight friends show up like Caleb told Alexa and then Alexa came like I had Amazing. you know I had, like, I had like a whole squad there and so that was nice because I was like what if nobody laughs at least my friends will laugh but people be laughing so that was good
0: also our friend group is truly the realest. I actually ride got a, or dies, man. Ride or dies and I got a DM from um Laura, lived with Laura, you know. Mm-hmm. She w- she sent me your um bit and she was like I'm sending this to you to boost it. I'm like Aww. I just like people like love our friend group truly.
1: Wow, yeah, she's a gem. Honestly, yeah, they, my my stuff's been doing pretty okay
0: on TikTok, yeah. actually. <laughs> Heck yeah. So. Which Super is how a lot exciting. of comedians
1: are getting like tours now. So okay, right. I'm going to try to keep it rolling. We'll see what happens.
0: Heck yeah. I love that so much. And yeah, I mean, not much, not too much else going on. And, you know, we were going to record last week during National Eating Disorder Awareness mm-hmm. Week. Obviously, we didn't get around to it, but we thought it would be really important to do an episode for you guys this coming week about, you know, struggling with, overeating and binge eating and our own personal stories. Um, And also just some tips and tricks to overcome it. And also just overall tips and tricks for mindful eating as well, because there are so many different facets of, of nutrition and of this, you know, this world of like, you know, mindful eating, intuitive eating, tracking macros, all of that kind of stuff, you know? And I think it's really important to understand that a lot of times we work with women and well, Kylie did work with women and now she writes for Mm -hmm. people who work with women who are looking to make a really big physical change. And it's really important to understand that I actually made a whole post uh, on Instagram about this the other week is that like, there are two relationships that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And I always tell my clients this, and those relationships are your relationship with food and your relationship with your body. And if you do not have that solid foundation and a quote unquote healthy relationship, which is going to look different for everyone, but you know, there are a few different things involved in, in kind of like what quote unquote health should look like, if you Mm -hmm. don't have those healthy relationships with food and yourself, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to reach the end goal. Because ultimately, like that is always going to be a barrier for you. That is always Mm -hmm. going to be something that holds you back. And so Kylie and I just kind of wanted to dive into, um, you know, this topic today and talk a little bit more about like, our own experiences and everything. And also give you guys some resources. Like we'll definitely link some of the NIDA resources and everything in the comments. That way, if there is somebody who is listening to this, who is struggling with an active eating disorder or just disordered eating, that you have a place to go. And obviously you know that we are always a safe space as well. Mm -hmm.
1: For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I know, like I said I know we wanted to kind of give some of our personal insight to that before the tips. Mm-hmm. So, did you want to kind of? Do you want to start us off with that, or do you want? Do you want me to go?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely start into you know what we I'm had different with.
1: like like different um, ways that it manifested for us. So, I definitely think for we'll sure, to, like give a different uh, perspectives
0: for sure. And I think it's really important also to note too is that obviously there are several different types of eating disorders, right? Like mm-hmm. me and Kylie both really struggled with binge eating, but neither one of us actually ever got truly diagnosed by a therapist with B. Right. right? But looking back, I don't know if you can probably say this for, the, for yourself, Kylie, but I know personally for me that like I personally did not get the help from a therapist when now I know that I should have. But knowing what I know about BED and the tendencies and behaviors, I know for a fact that I had BED. Right. Um. And I was, also think. Okay. Oh, go go ahead. Ahead. No, go ahead. You're. I say. I
1: also. I also think like it's there. Both of these are equally, um, uh, something to get help with. But it's also right. important to understand that like there's eating disorders and then there's disordered eating right and that those aren't always like it's not always the same and like I can look at different basically for most of my life I've struggled with some form of disordered eating but I didn't right. always necessarily have an eating disorder right um there was period. there's a period of my life that I can look at as well just like you were, I could be like, okay if I would have went in somewhere I- I'm sure it would have been diagnosed. diagnosed but that's not necessarily every not everything that has happened over that time necessarily was like a full-on ED, if that
0: makes sense. Right. Absolutely. And you know, there are many different types like anorexia, Mm -hmm. bulimia, orthorexia, binge eating. And it's really important to also understand just as like a blanket disclaimer. And I guess we should give a trigger warning for anyone who struggle with, you know, eating disorders or disordered eating, but it's important to understand that like eating disorders don't have a look and they can be caused by- Yeah. Like they can be caused by a combination of several factors, biological, psychological, and also sociocultural, like your environment that you're surrounded by and they impact your entire body. They impact every organ system. And it's really important to understand like how big of a role that these actually play. I was looking at the statistics on the NIDA website and eating disorders have the second highest mortality rate of all Mm -hmm. mental health disorders, and they are only surpassed by opioid use, which is crazy. So just understanding that like, you cannot look at somebody and know whether or not they are struggling with their relationship no. with, or know whether or not they have an eating disorder like eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes so like yes and, I, and I think
1: it's like it's often paired with body obviously body dysmorphia is a huge part of having 100 and so i think there's a lot of you know i know there's a whole soapbox that we don't have time for today that we could get off on just with you know speaking of t swift like that's a great example i yeah. to talk about that but like it's like people it's like don't make the assumption that because someone is thin to you that they don't have body dysmorphia. And on that same token, don't make the assumption that someone who is overweight or obese doesn't have an eating disorder.
0: Exactly. Like yeah. those are,
1: it's, it does does not have a shape or a size or a look to it. And like yep. what's going, it's, it's, it is a mental health disorder. So it's based mm-hmm. on what is going on inside their head way more than what's actually their appearance. Like no matter how in shape or not in shape you think they look like they're not seeing that same thing in the
0: mirror. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that can kind of take me into my own personal journey. So we we were talking a little bit before this and we said, you know, we kind of touched on our journeys briefly in the very first episode of the podcast, mm-hmm. but I don't think we ever really dove into. And again, like for sake of time, I'm not going to like absolutely drag it out, but I'll kind of give you guys the synopsis of like what I was going through back in. It really all started around like 2017. But I will say that, you know, my kind of like, Obsession with fitness and like getting in shape and everything like that. That started from a very young Mm -hmm. age. Like I was 13 years old when a very close family member told me I was fat and I needed to lose weight. And that spiraled into literally me asking for a treadmill for Christmas so that I could start running on the treadmill and lose the weight. Like I would be, I feel like I've told this story a million times. Like I would be 13 years old listening to my Hannah Montana CD running on the treadmill for an hour a day. And so freaking focused on those calories burned at age 13, you know? And so a lot of that spiraled there. And obviously That was like early 2000s. We all know how bad early 2000s diet culture was, especially in the media, magazines, all of that kind of stuff. Even the shows that we watch, right? And so going through high school, you know, I remember trying all of the fad diets, doing the Special K diet, whatever it may be. Same thing with college. I was doing two a days. I was restricting my carbs to 50 grams a day. I was doing Advocare. I was doing keto. I was trying every single thing. To constantly like try to make myself a smaller version of myself and lose the weight. And obviously that, that all plays into the other, the other storyline of Kylie and I actually found the proper way of doing things. Right. But There was a time before I hired our first health and fitness coach in around 2017. So it was around, it was like the summer I graduated. So I graduated my bachelor's in May of 2017. And it was that summer I moved to Pittsburgh and I was starting my master's classes before like it was kind of like the prereqs before my dietetic internship and so it was that summer where my binge tendencies really really started and I will say that I can remember times during like high school and different things like that where I would definitely overeat and this is another thing that I think is really important to mention is that like overeating is not the same as binge eating. Um, And there are very specific traits and characteristics that come Mm -hmm. along with binge eating that I'll kind of get into. But like, there were definitely times when I remember I would overeat, like I would definitely like slam. I I specifically remember like my mom coming home with like, she would come home with my favorite things, which was like Littles, especially shout out to Ange, like God bless her. But especially when I had a bad day, she would come home with a gallon of Gallagher's chocolate milk, powdered donuts, and a Little Caesars pizza and baby we would slam that shit like, and it was yeah. so good. But I never remember having the feelings of like guilt or shame or sickness or uncomfortable fullness like I did during the summer of like 2017 yeah. before my dietetic internship. And so, the reason, the really big reason why I was binging so much during that summer is because. I was restricting myself so much. Mm -hmm. I remember going into that summer telling myself, okay, this is the summer that I'm getting healthy. This is the summer that I'm losing the weight. This is the summer that I'm really, really being serious with things. And sure as shit, I would restrict myself to like a thousand, eleven hundred calories a day. And I remember going to bed starving at Mm -hmm. night, like just like feeling like, so like literally painfully starving. I was just like, I need to eat something and I just would not let myself. And then that would trigger me into obviously these binge episodes. And so, you know, it's, it's really, and like Kylie knows this feeling as well. It's like a really scary feeling when you genuinely feel like you're in this body that you cannot control. Like you actually have no control over the actions that you're, you feel like you don't have any control over the actions that you're about to take. And so, you know, I remember, I can't remember the like very first time that I had a binge session, but I remember frequently, like it was at least one to two times a week where I was. And so the thing that also kind of perpetuated this is that I was supposed to have um, two roommates that summer, and they both bailed out. And so I was living in that apartment by myself. And so especially living alone, that triggered it even more and that kind of perpetuated it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, you don't have anyone monitoring how many cookies are in the cabinet. You don't have anyone monitoring how many times you're running to the kitchen and just sitting there with the cupboards open. like. Look. In reality,
1: they're probably not even monitoring it, but you're aware that no. they're there. So you're like, oh, I don't want them to notice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like you helps. don't have
0: any judgment from any, sure. you know, from any angle. And yeah. so- Yeah. Like I remember just, you know, going to the kitchen and, you know, opening up the cupboards, opening up the fridge and just, it was basically like a back and forth type of thing. Like I would go to the fridge, I would go to the cupboard, I would go to the fridge, cupboard. And like, it wasn't a thing where I would like, like, sometimes I would take a lot of food elsewhere, but a lot of times I would like sit there just like in the kitchen, just like grabbing whatever I could. And, you know, I was eating, hundreds to thousands of calories in one sitting until I was physically sick. Now, I never purged. I never threw up. um, I was never bulimic, right? But I was, you know, eating to that point where I was like, I felt like I could throw up. And then it would be followed by those feelings of Oh my God, what did I just do to myself? Like, how can I reverse this? Like, I would feel like I remember just like ser- sitting in front of the mirror and like I would just like lift my shirt up and like look at my stomach and just like be grabbing my stomach and being like, I wanna like, I wanna take all of this back. Like, I want all of this out of my body. Why did I do this to myself? And like the feelings of guilt and shame were so heavy. And those are some. Sig- like some very very specific characteristics of binge eating like eating without anyone knowing eating hundreds to of thousand of calories in one sitting having it being followed by like feelings of guilt and shame like eating until we're physically ill right like a lot of those are those kind of characteristics of of those binge eating tendencies and I remember like I would wake up the next morning and it would take everything in me to get out of bed because I was just like I don't even want to like feel myself in my body today I don't even want to move in my body today because I am so disgusted and ashamed of like what I just did to it and then like eventually normally it would be really hard for me to like get to the gym the next day, but I would do it. And then that day and for the days after, I would completely restrict myself like 800, 900, 1,000 calories to quote unquote, help the binge even out. I would always do extra cardio, always spend extra time at the gym. It was a constant cycle of binge and restrict and binge and quote unquote, make up for it. and. You know, and it's funny because it's like you'd think, as somebody who was like going, who had just graduated a degree in nutrition and who's going to be a dietitian, it's like you'd think I would have this amazing, healthy relationship with food. And it was actually at that point when I was at my lowest and whenever I was like struggling the most. And this happened from June of 2017 all the way through the rest of the year Um, and even a little bit before June, um, but all the way through the rest of the year until I hired our first health and fitness coach in January of 2018. And really like, I think I told this story uh, a few times too, is when like, one there was one point during summer where I like legit it was so bad for me that I was working at GNC that summer and I remember having a binge the night before I had to go into one of my shifts at GNC and all of this was just like I was in kind of like looking back at it now you you know how you go through those like summers where you actually don't realize how much of a dark place you were in like I was in a pretty oh yeah <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah you know I was in a pretty dark place during that time like I hate it. I didn't want to work at GNC. Like I was struggling with money. I was living alone. Like I, I just, I wasn't happy with my body. I was anxious about starting my internship. Like I I had schoolwork piling on top of schoolwork. And on top of this, I was also doing a fitness internship. High emotional stress like that triggers that type of behavior. Yeah. Like there was just, and I was also finishing out like a very, very toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, so many triggers. And I remember waking up and I had to go to my shift at GNC at 10 and I had a binge the night before. And I was like, I called my mom bawling and I was like, mom, I can't get out of bed. Like I physically, like, I don't even want to look at myself in the mirror. I can't, like, I can't look down on my stomach. Like I, I feel like a shell of myself. I called my boss at GNC and I was like, I quit. I, I can't come in today. And I quit like I'm done. Yeah. And that was just like, That was like a rock bottom for me, but it Mm -hmm. still continued until I finally started. Until I finally started working with a health and fitness coach and started realizing how much fuel my body actually needed. And this was like again, it's like I knew as somebody who was going to be a dietitian, I knew that I needed to eat. Like I knew the, I knew how like macros worked, but it's almost like I needed someone to tell me it and I needed someone to lay out that roadmap for me and I will never like here's the thing is that tracking macros and like understanding the amount of calories that I needed in a day and to fuel my body that can actually be very triggering for a lot of people and cause it really depends cause eating disorders for me it was my saving grace for many people it can be a trigger you know so it truly just depends on the person um But again, after that, and we'll kind of get into, you know, some of the tools and tactics that like we've used ourselves. But like after that, Mm -hmm. it still took me two to three years of practicing like a lot of different like self-regulation tools and like healing my relationship with food and my body to stop those binges from happening. Like I can honestly say I have not had a binge since probably like 20 probably 2020. Yeah. Because I have not binged since I came off of birth control in January of 2020. And so, but it took me still another two years after starting to work with my first health and fitness coach. Like there were still moments where I would binge. It didn't happen as frequently yeah there's also some but
1: coaching behavior there that exactly be yes but they.
0: <laughs> but yes we were also in a very and kylie will kind of get into this as well where yeah. we had a similar paralleled experience where we were in a very high stress where it helped perf- us a
1: lot and then
0: <laughs> and that it helped us a lot in the beginning and then we were in this high stress perfectionist setting where it actually like triggered these yeah. behaviors a little bit more so do Absolutely. you kind of want to go more into that
1: yeah. I want same thing. I want to try to not go through the whole thing, but I have two specific areas that, um, touch on a different experience, um, mm-hmm. mirrors that sim- with similar background. Um, for me, it also started younger. Um, my first instance of when I knew I had like an eating disorder problem, um, was in high school for me. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was like a, a little bit chunkier of a kid, but for some reason, I, not even for some reason, puberty, I got into high school and I was like, Pretty average, like I wasn't. I wasn't like a frail, thin girl, but like I was. I was small, like yeah. I was, you know, a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have really like that much weight to lose. I was a cheerleader. I was active. I ran track. Like I did all that. Um, you were a
0: cheer. Yeah, I knew that. JK, yeah, yeah, yeah that. yeah.
1: Um, cheerleader Kai, <laughs> love that. Brooke Davis in the house, girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> um, so I was, I was, a, I was doing all that, you know, and mm-hmm. I. but I had had, I came from a background of like, um, I think I've shared on this before. If not, it's definitely been on content of mine somewhere that I moved away from the school. I went to middle and elementary school in, because I was severely bullied and I was never bullied for my weight, but I Mm -hmm. already, I just went into a complex. I've kind of had my whole life is like needing people to like me and feeling Mm -hmm. like they don't, it's still something I struggle with that I work on a lot. Um, and it was so there was always this insecurity for some for, for just different reasons involved in like how people in my family viewed themselves and like what their parents' experiences had been, like just different ways that but like image became such an important thing. And I started to correlate those two things as like people weren't liking me. And if they didn't like me, it had to be there. Like you can't really. It's like really hard to be like, I have to fix my personality. Right. So like I think it's like a sense of control. It's like, okay, well, if they don't like me for who I am, I can't really do shit about that, but I can mm-hmm. sure change. Which, you know, isn't true. You can work on yourself. But the reality is I didn't it wasn't a personality problem, right? Kids are just fucking mean. Yeah. Um I moved to my new school and I did not have this problem. I was mm-hmm. had tons of friends, things were going the way I wanted to, them to go. Uh, but I dated a boy when I first um, was in school, like a freshman. Mm -hmm. And I, um, remember when we broke up and I, I think I even may have ended it. I don't know. It was like a three month, 15 year old relationship was like nothing. Like it was like, it was my first kiss. That was like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I remember one of my friends and she said this to me to try to comfort me, but it just spiraled me very badly and she had said something to the effect of like oh well, I'm sure so and so will just go off and find one of those skinny like skinny um Oof. like like skinny bimbos or like one of those girls that's got nothing going on inside like skinny whatever but like basically skinny
0: bimbos it's the language yeah, like, that we mean? use I know
1: but like it, it was to the effect of like to my brain process that is like oh yeah I mean if she's saying that you're not that Mm-hmm. And like, she meant it as a compliment as in like, I have more like substance and things like that. It wasn't, but I heard you're fat, you're fat boys, like girls that look like that. Not like you. Yeah. And I didn't really change. That's what was interesting for me as I went through, because again, I have everybody in my family doesn't necessarily struggle with weight. They all struggle with thinking they struggle with weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's yeah. a lot of body dysmorphia in my family. Yeah. And I, I went through cabinets at home and I found diuretics, water pills, all that kind of stuff. And so my issue, I didn't change the way I was eating. I've talked a lot about like the the habits I had, but I would, I was taking, I was 15 and just blindly just fucking popping every one of these types of pills I could. Um, I was taking laxatives. I was taking all of those things and I, because I didn't want anyone to think anything was going on. And I was taking, um, at school, I would sometimes I, I would throw up sometimes at school. I've had issues with purging on and off. Honestly, I don't talk about this a lot, honestly, but I, had that with school lunches and stuff, because I never wanted anyone to think anything was off. Because again, I was very worried about people thinking I was weird or wouldn't like me. So it was very, that like hidden situation. I didn't change my eating habits, but I was taking a lot of this stuff. Um, I was constantly feeling sick. I remember I Mm -hmm. in, it went on, on and off for a lot of the rest of high school. And I, I remember I passed out once in my Spanish class, um, they like wrote it off as like, I like dehydration and all this stuff. I was dehydrated because I was taking a fuck ton of diuretics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so accidents, you, know, you were probably like shitting everything out, losing so many yeah. electrolytes.
1: Yeah. And so I was doing all that while I was still like active and, you know, cheering and doing all this stuff. And so I was doing all that. And then it got better for a little while when I got into um, my longer term relationship in high school. It was kind of one of those, again, it's not healthy thinking, but I was like, oh, like I am love now. Now I don't need to do this right mm-hmm. um yeah. which is good and bad <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah but when we when we broke up I fell back into those patterns and then I also was taking um painkillers and things like that as well and I remember actually my high school best friend I've t- we've been friends since we were in the eighth grade we still are and I remember we got in one of the biggest fights we've ever been in because she told my my aunts my sister she told them she she she, she she caught me and she and I remember I was you know now I'm so grateful for yeah it, but oh, she God, like yeah. she she told on me quote unquote mm-hmm. um and and my sisters slash aunts like confronted me and they were like, we're not going to tell mom and dad. I don't think they ever did. Um, but they were like this, you know, it has to stop. I go to do something like whatever. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was, I was probably bridging on having a fucking opioid addiction. Otherwise like, you know, yeah. at that point, yeah. um, but I was really young. And so that was kind of the end of that. I went through college and things and I, I gained a ton of weight when I first went into college, we've talked about mm-hmm. this and that just started me into just restrictive fad dieting behavior. So yeah. that pattern was like, it was, I had body dysmorphia and I definitely had some disordered restrict binge, just like you would say, but I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say during any of that time that I had like, what would be qualified as an eating disorder. I just was like, I I just had an unhealthy relationship with food and exercise and fad diets, something we see across the board all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and similar to you, like I got into, um, lifting and things like that. I've told this whole story. I got into powerlifting. It really helped me focus less on food, but then I still wasn't happy aesthetically, but I wasn't like I wasn't having like binge issues and stuff like that anymore. I was, I was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I found our fitness coach to try to help with the aesthetic side of things. Learned all about macros. I had known a little bit about them as well already from powerlifting and things like that. I had some friends teach me, um, but getting into that, I like learned and for a while. It really helped me too. just like your experience, our coach, uh, in the the beginning of our time together, like it really taught me a lot. It helped me like see what my body was capable of. And like, I really had a, I felt a sense of control, Mm -hmm. but like you said, that can also is a slippery slope, um, because that's kind of the, uh, the double-edged sword of it. Like you said, is that It's a lot of, a lot of disordered eating comes from it being one of the only things we can control. And there's, there's also positivity to being like, Hey, this, we, we use that sometimes as a way to coach people. It's like, Hey, this is one of the only things you can control in your life when Mm -hmm. things are going haywire, but that's a very slippery slope. If you're someone who, especially like you and I both have very like perfectionist, like tendencies that we can fixate on. Um, And then, like you said, as, as time went on, our, our team and coaching environment turned into something that was very perfectionist based.
0: Yeah. And even for me as a lifestyle client, yeah. like and, yeah, it, it and then I like, chose to
1: get into competing,
0: <laughs> which perpetuated so, it even more. Yes.
1: And, and, and I chose that path. Um, mm-hmm. and I always say that, and I always want to circle back to that competing is not the thing that caused this competing. I think yeah. for anyone is a dangerous thing to get into. If you have not fully worked out your food and eat, if you're, you're eating or disordered eating issues. Totally and right. it's also tough though, because like, to me, I, I was like, I have, but you're mm-hmm. not really aware of what, how that's going to, you you. And, like, right. and what kind of guidance you're going to have. And this is something we, we made up, you made the comment when we were starting that we should have like the trigger warning. And honestly, like, I didn't really think about that. Maybe I needed it for myself. Um, I had a lot of like emotion welling up while you were talking and I was like thinking about it and something that, you know, I th- I'm, I'm going to share here that I didn't. I, I've, I don't think I've told really anyone about this, uh, how the depth of what happened with it. And like, I, I don't even know how honest I've been with you. I think I've lied about it on this podcast. I'm going to be honest now. Um, (laughs) I. I think that I know I opened up that towards the end of my prep, I was having a lot of issues. Yes.
0: Um, I remember. I specifically remember like one specific time. Yes, And I know,
1: I know that I was most honest with you of anyone. So I know Mm -hmm. you probably know the truth or the closest to the truth of anyone, Mm -hmm. um, is that towards the end I was having issues with it. Um, and then definitely I've been open about like, as soon as the show was over, I had a lot of issues during my divorce. For sure. Um, that last starting, it's exactly. I, I was feeling the emotions when you were talking about like that time that you were at in your life when all that stuff was going on and the way you were coping with your stress. Because that's the other piece is like the competing and the environment I was in made this difficult. It made it feel like I couldn't. It made the problem that that gave me was that I felt like I couldn't come to my coach about what was happening. Yep. That was the issue. Yeah. Um, But what perpetuated the issue didn't really have to do with that. I was going through that breakup and and I've opened up more about this, especially since, especially on the other podcasts and things Mm like that, that toxic relationship. I, I had, I would say I convinced myself, but I had been convinced and convinced myself that my relationship shouldn't have ended and it ended because of this because of competing because of this, because I yep. didn't have any freedom in my life because I didn't have this. And I remember specifically it started, I took that trip to um, Asheville by myself yep. and I did this as like a freedom thing for me, but like, I was still talking to my ex. And I remember being like, having all these conversations about like, you know, what it could be like if I just had that freedom together and dah, da 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 And on that trip, I remember I did like a spa day and they had like a bunch of little like free, um, like nuts, like in almonds and chocolate things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, I would just like, I had, they were like in literally in those tiny little like shot containers, you know what I mean? They were so small. So I would like, I had one yeah. and I was like, you know what? At the end of day, that's not it. I was like, I'll shave off some fat somewhere else in my day. It's like a couple of fucking macadamia nuts. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, yeah, I, by the time I left there, I probably had eaten like 12 of those containers mm-hmm. and I left that. And I was just like, still it's in the grand scheme of my prep, not the end of the world. It wasn't this big thing. Um, but I left there and I was just like, had that I got in this like just shame spiral of like your life is controlled by this like you like and I had this like rebellious like feeling and also this like guilt it was really strange I was out like walking around the city and I just like passed this place that's like only in certain locations my favorite ice cream place and Mm -hmm. I went there and got ice cream Mm -hmm. and I like sat on a bench by myself and like ate this ice cream and was just like it was this like fuck you I'm taking this back I'm at this point I'm I think I was like probably
0: five weeks out I was gonna say I think you were like six or and, seven weeks out yeah I, was, did the, I did not know oh, yeah. about that I did not know about this in Asheville though
1: oh yeah oh yeah There and there's so that I like did that I didn't tell I literally told no one I ate this ice cream and like and, and, and again that like, also for me is like yeah
0: crazy that also just speaks to and I'm so so happy that you're being so honest about it now but that also just speaks to the level of shame that comes yeah. along with these kinds of things I didn't
1: yeah I I especially like yeah, if you, I feel like the podcast listeners got, have enough of an understanding, but especially like to know, like, I'm a, I'm going to tell everybody everything. Like I don't fucking take a piss in the morning without telling Kara about it. Not to that extent, but like, it's, it's almost that bad, right? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm just like not a private person.
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> and so
1: like, especially to be, like, you know, and so there was just this shame of someone and like, I know you of all people wouldn't have judged me. And, Never. but I sat there, but then I went back to my hotel and I cried and I made myself throw up. And because I was like freaking out and I was like, my prep is so close. Like I was like, I can't, like, I'm going to weigh in and he's going to know, like, I was like freaking out. Like the fear. And I, and I told myself, I literally just
0: got chills because
1: like, I, I I know, I know. (laughs) And and I was just like, I don't, I was like, this won't happen again. Like I was like, so it's like not going to be a big deal. I don't need to tell anyone about it. It's, I don't have a problem. It's Mm -hmm. just whatever. And I went back through the prep and then I started having issues with the nut butters at home.
0: Yeah, the nut butters were always an issue.
1: Yeah. And it would be something where I would be like, I was like, feel like I was like reaching for help. Like I would let, I remember I would let you know and be like, I'm having issues where I would just like grab a spoonful here and there, which like in prep isn't okay. But what was happening more often than not is like, and I wouldn't say enough, it wasn't enough to where it was like throwing off what was happening with my body. My body was burning at such a crazy rate at that point. But Mm -hmm. like I, I had at least three sittings that I can remember that I, like sat there and I like ate most of a jar and then I threw it up
0: and oh God, I,
1: I was freaked because every time it was like, I, and, and this is where it goes back to like, I made that choice, but I, I, I felt like I could not. And that was part shame, part the environment we in. And I was like, I I'm gonna get pulled from this prep. I've worked so hard. It's gonna be so embarrassing. Like that's where like there's already so much shame and like all those guilt feelings that come with just disordered eating or eating disorders already. But then if you're putting yourself into the environment of competing, there's this whole extra fucking pressure yeah. of like how you have to be. And I just like I freaked myself out. And I just like was like I'm not. It'll be fine. And I was like I only have a couple more weeks. I'm gonna get under control. There were fucking sticky notes all over my cabinets. I remember like, this
0: day, you know, to, I, I was me like, up.
1: don't eat this. Like a lot. And I was, I was trying to be like, I'm doing the healthy thing. Like some of the tips we're going to give later. Like I would put those questions on there, but like I was past where that was just going to help. Like it was, it was yeah. a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. And I had this constant, like, it was this battle with myself where I would do it. And I would be sitting, I can, I can like, I have like such a vivid memory of standing in my Nashville kitchen, like in front of my cabinet with it open, looking at the sticky note in front of me with fucking balls deep in this peanut butter jar. And I was like crying like in eating and still eating it and just being
0: like and it's like in those (laughs) moments you feel like it's almost like an out-of-body experience it's It's like you just you're not you almost it
1: is because it's a scary feeling yeah because I would look at and I was literally like you I would be telling myself I would eat it I'd be like you're gonna I would be like this is your last bite and then I would just be like this is your last bite and like and you
0: just you you convince yourself
1: Yeah. And and part of it is like I had this dialogue. It was like I almost feel like I had the two little like cartoon shoulder people where it was like this person that was like you've worked so hard, like what the fuck are you doing? Like you have this much time left. And the other shoulder was like this is the whole problem. Like if you didn't have, you wouldn't have this issue. Like, why can't you just eat whatever you want? This is why your relationship ended Is you're so fucking obsessed with this. Like it was just this like entire Mm. thing. And then it was like, Oh, your coach has never thought you were an athlete anyways. You're fucking proving him right. Like, this is what's happening here. Like you never were meant to do this. Like you can't tell anybody this. This is embarrassing. You're a coach. You can't, I can't believe you're like, it was this, it was, it was like, my head was so loud that i was drowning it out with food almost. And then I would like sit there and I'd feel full. And I would even have that same dialogue. I would go lay down and I'd be like, don't throw up. Like, don't do that. Like, because Mm -hmm. you don't need to do that. And then I would be like constantly thinking about like how many days until my next check-in and I would base whether I should throw up on that or not. Like I, I, so so then my binges started being like focused around. I started just like cheating with myself and being like, well, if I check in on Friday, if I do this on Friday night by next week, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Especially if I like just do a little bit or if I just throw, it was like, this was like, I also remember the last month.
0: I remember us also having conversations like this even like outside of your prep or like at normal times where it's like well we have 6 days until check in yep. so yeah. yeah yeah
1: which is like that's where i said like it's such a double edged sword of like whether it's competing or you have a coach like you have to be honest with yourself about like how it's how it's mentally affecting you and mm-hmm. you have to have a coach that you feel like you can bring that up with because that was I like do. an issue and I'm, I'm really glad that that only started happening in those last like four to six weeks. It wasn't through my whole prep. And again, it's like you said, I I had done this. I had been living that lifestyle for like three years without it really bothering me, but I had that immense stress trigger. And that's something else where it's like important to remember. Like I just, one of my new copywriting, not new, one of my copywriting clients, um, just made an NEA NEDA week post. Cause she has mm-hmm. history with this and, you know, she's a coach now she does all this. And her last slide of her post is she was like, you know, this, this is with me forever. Like, and she was yeah. like, it's just, And she's like, I just have an awareness now to be able to know like when it comes yep. up, what I need to do and all exactly. of that. And like, that's the thing is to like, I just want anyone listening to know, like not to have this, like, shame around like how far you are. Because like I said, Kara was a coach. Kara was a dietetic intern. I was a competitor. I was doing all this. I knew all these things and I was, I've quote was past it. I hadn't done the directs. I hadn't had like an issue with other than, you know, in years and the right thing, like me going through that breakup, having to move all that, the the immense work, I was under a high pressure work stress environment at that point with like what we were doing in that mentorship. Like I was, all of that was going on And all of that is part of the trigger. And I was looking at myself at that point, what you're saying is like, I looked in the mirror and I looked fucking insane. I mean, I looked, I looked, I was competing. I looked borderline sick, like, yeah. you know, like intentionally. It was so tiny. And on, I have pictures from that Asheville trip that I took where it's like, I know I looked good, but I like, went and like ate that ice cream. And I like, remember waking up in the morning and looking and being like, this is why you're going to fucking lose. You look like shit, like all this stuff. And I literally could, I could see my fucking ribs sticking out. You guys like you so can like, see yeah. it. Like, yeah. And I like, still could can look see at the ad lines because what you're comparing yourself to is it's in your own brain. And like, obviously I was, I had to compete against a different caliber than like the gen Pop, but like, It's, it's just whatever anyone else is dealing with in their brain is not what you're seeing. And then coming back out of that, it made it, you know, I was, it was nice. It was good that like, once the show was over, I felt like I could be more honest. And then Mm -hmm. that's when I was, I was more upfront with you about what was happening with like the food and like, you come, honestly, I'll say this over and over again, you coming to stay with me that whole month. Like it helped a lot. Um, I mean, I had John there the last two weeks of my prep. So that's why I said it was like the last month, but it was really like, six to four weeks, six to two weeks out. So like Mm -hmm. there was a month stand that I was struggling. And then, like you said, I had someone else in my house. John was there. I wasn't going to be doing that stuff. He was in prep with me. And then you came and like, you know, we started working on those things, but you know, my reverse, I, I did struggle. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have those issues again. I didn't throw up anymore. I didn't do any of that, but like, that was, um, that was scary. And it's something that I really haven't talked about it all till right now. So I didn't really know I was going to unload that, but it was, um, I literally honestly, just, like, feel it like welling up in my throat. Yeah, we like you about just it. And to, I was just like,
0: you have to get it out. And like, honestly, I'm so happy that you did, because I guarantee you that there is someone listening to this podcast who needed to hear that. And also to your point as well about like how far you've come. Right. Yeah. And like how far like, we, that go. was just
1: 20. That was spring 21, by the way. Right. I'm referring to this. This was like recent.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And like also not having that guilt and shame around like just because like like I said myself, I haven't had a binge since 2020, since the end of 2020. But here's the thing that does not mean that I haven't had those feelings come up. There have been times where I have literally like I can honestly tell you in the last three weeks, especially as I get closer and closer to like the end of this dieting phase there have been feelings at me where I've been like oh mm-hmm. I don't want to binge on this like I've been eating something and I've been like I there have been moments where it's like I have this urge to go to the kitchen cover and open it up and just like just see just see right but like now mm-hmm. it's an awareness of it And I have tactics to walk myself through it and get myself out of my head, you know? And And so it's like, like like she said, it's always going to be, it's always going to be, I don't want to say it's always going to be, but like, it's a part of you. It's it's a mental, it's a
1: mental disorder. It is. So it's, you know, you can, you can do things it's, there's always things that can trigger it and you just learn how to navigate those triggers. That's the difference. That's the difference with any mental illness. Like, it's just like, if you are someone who has anxiety, like you probably are going to have anxiety, but you can better manage your anxiety, right? Exactly. Like, that is that is one of those things. And it is so important. I know we're going to get into here to finish off like some of those tactics and things people can use. Um, but, you know, it is it is something you're, like you're going to have to, it's, it's, I just, I want to remove that shame of like, falling back into those patterns. And that doesn't mean you're doomed. Like you can get back out of them. Like this yeah. has been a process for me. And I think that's also why it feels so good to talk about to it now. It's like, I've already gotten more open about like leaving behind coaching and stuff, but it's, these are all things that like, wow, that was so tied to my identity as it's a hard time. And this has been like, it was really hard for me. Cause I did basically from that point, that's when I knew I was like, I have to start over. And mm-hmm. I've been very open on this podcast. I have been about like having to, t- how much time I had to take off the gym and how much time I had to take off of, um, you know, tracking and all those things. And like the other traumas that I went through that exacerbated that, because I found myself on the opposite end where I was always a binger cop, you know, overeater and things like that. And then yeah. now, then I found myself like not even intentionally, but just, I had no appetite mm-hmm. now to this day, when I stressed, I like just, I for just, I, I used to make fun of people when they were like, Oh, I forgot to eat today. I was like, couldn't be me. That's me all the time now. And I've had to work to like rebuild those hunger cues. And it's still something like, you know, I'll be, I'm now in the healthiest place I've been with food and exercise in, I think my whole life, I think Mm -hmm. this lat, and it's just been over the last six to eight months. And that's still something that's like a learning process of what that looks like, because what's hard is like, I'm in that place. My relationship with my body is way better. We've talked about that too, but I still have I still have those days like where I like I look in the mirror and I'm just like so upset or like I don't like the way I feel. Mm-hmm. But I and it's harder now to figure out how to balance like okay, what's the most important to me though if I want to figure out how to like shape up a little bit more, put a little more focus on aesthetics. How can I do that in a way that's not going to put me right back into that path, knowing where I just came from. Exactly. And that's, that's something, you know, I literally just was speaking with Kara about this earlier this week, like just friend to friend. I was like, Hey, I'm I'm like, I haven't been tracking for months. I stopped tracking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I talked about that on here. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to just notice things about like my energy and like my hunger cues suck. Like I want to like, you know, get some things back to consistency. And so I was just like, I'm just gonna just track protein, like yeah, back to the basics. Um, and I, you know, she was asked she asked me some questions about it, carroted. Mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, how's that feeling? And da-da-da-da. And I was like, you know, I noticed it's like, it's being more aware and noticing. So I noticed in tracking protein for me, I started noticing that if I'm doing that and seeing what the other macros are doing for me right now, that was like, that does not feel good. Even though I was not eating any different than I've been eating. I eat pretty well-rounded when I'm at home. If I go out to eat, I don't like think about it. I'm not like stressed about food, but seeing those numbers pop up for my macros, it's because my brain is still, I was conditioned for how many years to be like, that needs to be perfect. Yeah. And so watching that and like watching that hit and being like, oh shit, if you eat this, you only have this much fat left today. And then like, what are you going to do? And then like, start, start like I, that stress process was almost subconsciously happening from even just like typing shit into my app. Mm-hmm. And like, I would, instead of deciding like, okay, that means tracking is bad or I can never track or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like that awareness of me being like, okay, here's where that's coming from here's what's reality, here's what's happening. And I'm going to just focus on this. And if I start to not have a, if I start to have a problem with that, here's the thing, once I start focusing, once I, if you track your protein again for like a week and you learn like what's going to hit those numbers, if i don't change my routine then i can just know you don't have to, to
0: like, use my like, fitness now
1: no like once i just needed a recheck of like yep. what i needed to eat to get there but like weighing food doesn't for some reason weighing food doesn't trigger me in any way you have talked no. to me about this like i i love weighing shit like i weigh yeah. honestly i love a portion size i love, like even yep. when i'm not Same. tracking people have asked me they've been like you're not even tracking food and i like weigh my protein source i just do like i weigh my cream cheese it's just mm-hmm. like honestly there's something like peaceful to me about using the scale <laughs> like yeah that's yeah. never bothered me no um, but For some reason, the app started feeling that way. And so
0: Mm -hmm. that's I think it's because you're seeing those concrete numbers. Yeah. 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 And And I think for
1: me to recognize that and like where it's coming from was empowering. And and I'm still not, I don't demonize tracking in any ways because I I want to go back to it because I'm like, how else do I have data? Like, I know that I've been under eating and I need to figure out how to do it. Like, so it's having that awareness.
0: Yeah. It's having that awareness. And like, I'm so happy that you brought that. Um, example in because then that goes into which could be a whole other episode the nuance of like because we do have like you have past clients I have current clients where it's Mm -hmm. like they are working toward these physical goals they are working towards specific goals where like tracking is the most efficient and effective way of getting there you know and that's why we're always so so like we beat a dead horse with this but like we want you to use tracking as a tool but we always Mm -hmm. want you to come to us if you feel that it is truly starting to bring up negative feelings or disordered eating habits or whatever it may be, you know, because like, tracking and knowing how many calories you're eating in a day like that is not automatically disordered I'm tired of like the entire notion of like and we'll sit here with our stories to tell and tell you exactly (laughs) like you I'm tired of the notion of you have an eating disorder if you know how many calories you eat in a day like no if you want to make a change you have to create that awareness for yourself but it's also the awareness of what feelings is it bringing up for you as well and does it feel healthy for you you know yeah
1: because because for me like looking at tracking is like I, I think it's also important to make the differentiation. Like sometimes people want to automatically be like, oh, it's causing negative things. And that's, we have to also dive into like, okay, well, how are you using it? How are you doing right. it? Like, right? Are you trying to there. hit
0: like, yes, I've had so many people come to me and I have one client in particular who I always think of whenever she first started with me, she was very, very scared to start tracking again mm-hmm. because her history with it is that she wasn't well educated on it whenever mm-hmm. she did track she was trying to hit 1200 calories a day and yep. it felt very restrictive for her and now that we have used it as a tool i've educated her and she's educated herself on you know what foods have what macros and mm-hmm. she understands that she needs more calories and w- more fuel now she has such a neutral relationship with it yes. and now she knows also how to eat mindfully without using my fitness pal in situations where that occurs. You know what I mean? And like, she, she has come so far with that. And it's simply because before she was going about it in a way that felt very restrictive for her. And that's not something exactly.
1: No. And and I've seen that too, where like if a client is having trouble, like staying under or, or, or hitting, sometimes it's that they can't, they're they're too under like whatever, they can't hit it. And then they decide, they start to have a bad relationship with it because they're like, frustrated and feeling the shame. Cause they're like doing it wrong. And like those things. And I'm like, okay, this might not be disorder. This might be that like, you just haven't learned the right way, like the right foods. And like, it feels restrictive and frustrated. Cause like, maybe you're filling it with like empty calories and like, right. so once, but if we get to the point where like, like what we said, we have the education and I know those things. And then it's like still causing you those issues. Like, it's something I absolutely always want. Like, I still have my small roster of clients too. So I'm still speaking to that. Like, I always want people to feel comfortable coming to us or whoever their coaches, but like mm-hmm. having that, having that awareness of like, what is it? What's actually causing it? Where is it coming from? And yeah. like being able to navigate because just like what you said is so important is like, it's not something to demonize itself because that's exactly why I went back to it is I know it's, I think it's important to understand like, if it is causing you issues, that's okay. But then you have to be okay with like, that's the thing you're focusing on. And for me, that's the thing. It's like even on those days that I was frustrated with my body image or anything like that, I had the wherewithal to be like over this last year plus, like I'm not tracking right now. And so that means I cannot be upset if my like physique isn't responding the way I want it to. Not that tracking is the only way, but I'm like, I don't have any fucking clue what calorically I'm doing. And I had to just be at peace with that and any other potential issues. Like my periods not been great, but like, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, you're not paying it. I'm I'm putting good foods in my body, but I was like, I was under eating a lot. Like I'm like, there's a lot of different things here. And I have seen that improve while I've started to just pay more attention. But like, I know that if I'm pursuing a goal, I have to work on those things. So if I want to make that kind of change, or if I want to like do something specifically for my hormones, I need to have that awareness. So I have to choose and like, yes, you have to choose. Yeah always have to take the time to, there needs to be a phase where you prioritize that mental and relationship or else it's going to keep getting in the way. So me having taken that time is why now I can go back into it and try, but again, Mm -hmm. it's melding in. I didn't open it up and then was like, I didn't have that experience where I was like, Oh, that fat content is triggering me. So then I was like, fuck tracking, shut it back down. I was like, okay, let's look into what the deal is is and how can I adjust? What else can I do then? So it's like, okay, why don't we just focus on this piece now? And like, you can make this like me, me just focusing on protein and like taking an extra 2000 steps a day that can move me forward. It might not me in the same way that like our clients can with all their macros, but it's, it's, it's finding what's going to work for you at, to not sacrifice your relationship with food and exercise and still get you where you want to be. And just understanding that sometimes those things cannot go at the same time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's so true. And honestly, like having your perspective as somebody who's transitioned out of tracking is really, really helpful in this conversation. And also, like you said, like you went through that period of taking a break from it. It's like my period of healing my relationship with my food and and my body was me transitioning off of birth Mm -hmm. control and gaining the weight and going through all of that and having to heal that part of me, you know? And so, you know, I feel like this was such a good freaking conversation and yeah. I
1: feel like well, it's like you said so many people it's like they, even if they transition out of tracking they turn into like people that then now they hate it and like I still I don't ever speak illly of tracking It's you don't still what I use for clients like because it's, it's exactly it's useful it's it's tracking with purpose and with mindfulness
0: and there are so many clients there are so many coaches and everything like that out there now who don't track anymore but that's still what they use with their clients because they mm-hmm. understand that like Now those people are at a place where it's like, okay, maybe they don't need it, but their clients are not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like Kylie said, like the awareness is huge. And so we did want to leave you guys with some tips and tricks and just kind of like walking you guys through, like, what does kind of like mindful eating look like? And also like some questions to ask yourself, some tactics that like we've personally used in terms of like overcoming the binge eating and and overeating and everything like that. And I think it's just important to understand, like, a lot of times, you know, people will discuss, you know, intuitive eating or whatever it may be. And it's really important to remember, like, we I think we can go back to, you know, the podcast that we did with Macy on this, where we talked about intuitive eating and understanding that, like, when we have, you know, a physical goal, a fat loss goal, whatever it may be. Intuitive eating is not meant for body composition change. It's not meant for any uh, anything that is tied to weight loss. And so I always like to practice the approach of mindful eating with my clients whenever we're not tracking and just as a concept in general. So basically just kind of like breaking down what mindful eating is, is it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's the opposite of mindless eating, right? And it allows us to really just eat with more intention. So even if we are tracking, there are still things that we can be focusing on. Like, how do we engage in eating and our Mm -hmm. appreciation toward food? Like, how do we view food and Other things that can come into play here are the speed at which we eat. Like, are we eating slowly? Are we taking time to savor the food? Um, How we respond to hunger and fullness cues. And an important note here is to also note that if you're somebody who, again, we work with a lot of clients who have been under eating, chronically dieting for a long time, like, a lot of times these hunger and fullness cues can kind of get wonky and get mixed up. And a lot of times you might not be very hungry whenever you're reverse dieting, you know, Um, or just like simply listening to those fullness cues whenever you are reaching a point of like, okay, I'm getting to the point where like, I can start to feel like, you know, my, my stomach's feeling full. I'm feeling satiated. Like, I don't want to get past this point of, you know, feeling like too full or maybe like overly sick. Um, we also want to look at the intent behind why we're eating, why we're choosing the foods that we are. And also obviously like paying attention to our senses while we're eating, which is a lot of things that we've already talked about, even in just like gut health and different things like that, you know, like smelling your food, slowing down, chewing the food. Um, Um, And all of those different types of things. So I think like some of the really important questions to ask ourselves, and we've talked about this before, are like what, what, how, and why whenever it comes to food and mindful Mm -hmm. eating. So like a really big question to first ask ourselves is what foods are gonna be most supportive for us whenever we are choosing our foods or whenever we are creating meals, right? So if we have a specific goal, what food aligns with that goal the most in our current situation, especially if we're in a situation where we're not tracking. I think that this is somewhere where a lot of people get tripped up and it's like, okay, well, if I'm not tracking or if I'm taking an untracked meal or if I'm simply eating mindfully, like how do I know what foods to choose? And it's like, okay, what is, I always like using the BAC method, like best available choice, right? Like what is the best available choice? You know what I mean? Like if we are at a party and we have the chips and pizza and salad and, you know, water and soda, whatever it may be, what's that best available choice? Maybe it looks like getting a piece of pizza because that's something that we're craving and then pairing it with a salad for some micronutrients. And then rather than the soda, maybe opting for a water, right? So like just Mm -hmm. kind of asking yourself, like what foods are going to be goal supportive for you there? And are you choosing nutrient dense options the majority of the time? but also incorporating foods that satisfy your cravings as well. And also, are you choosing foods that help you to get one step closer to the goal, especially if you're somebody who has a big goal and we need to be consistent with that goal? Are we choosing those foods that are going to get us one step closer to the goal, you know, 85 to to 95 to 100% of the time? Like that consistency is huge, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else to add there, Kai?
1: No, I think it's just like, I think you touched on the important piece there, which is like, it doesn't have to look like, like, you know, especially just based on the conversation we had leading up to this, like, it doesn't have to mean that mindful eating for your goals is like going there and being like, oh, well, my goal is this. So I can't have that pizza or anything like that, because paying attention, what's going to feel good for you, I think also is really important to apply mentally. And it's just like, okay what are you expecting to happen from this though? Like, are you, is it, are you okay with being like, okay, this is like a six out of seven macro week for me then because I needed this social event for my mental health. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. And then were you mindful in that, if you choose that of like knowing that you're eating well enough through the week and you're prioritizing nutrients through the week so that you didn't feel the need to have four pieces of pizza and chips and this, and not because those things are bad, but because you're usually, if you're acting like that, it's because you're undernourished somewhere else, you're feeling restricted somewhere else, or that relationship with food is negative. So I think like there's a bigger depth to that. Like, how are you feeling with it? Or like, what Mm -hmm. are the foods? Like, what is, what, how are, how is, how you're going to eat going to make you feel like, I don't, I know, I don't know. I'm like tripping up my words now, like your emotions surrounding like the choice that you're going to make. And after like really pay attention to those in the context of the conversation we were just having, because how each person handles that, there isn't a right or wrong choice. Like one person might go there and to them, that looks like you said the water, the salad, and one piece of pizza to somebody else. It might be the three pieces of pizza because they're, and they're like totally fine. They don't feel guilty. They've ate normal, normal quote unquote all week. They've hit their goals. And they were like, yeah, tonight I really wanted the pizza. I like ate my protein earlier. Like this is what I want. Like that's going to look different for everyone. But if that person does the same behavior as someone else and one of you goes home in like a spiral about it, or like Mm -hmm. then you feel the need to restrict during the week that's ineffective. Whereas the person who goes home and it was just like neutral, like you said, and it's like, I did this. It didn't really get me closer to my goals, but like, I accept that. And I know that like this next week I'm going to crush it. I'm not going to over restrict. It was just like a one-time thing. Like, those yeah. are, those are very different reactions. And I think that that is really key in talking about like the, just the conversation as far as like disordered eating, like all of these tips apply so well. And it just really requires you to have to like check in honestly with
0: yourself about it. 100%. Yeah. And that segues us into kind of the two other questions that I've talked about. I've mentioned yeah. this tool uh, so many times on here, but the two second pause and two question tool, asking ourselves. How and why, you know? So checking in with ourselves and asking ourselves, how will this food make me feel physically and mentally if I choose to eat it? Like, and if I'm going for the second piece of pizza or the second cookie or the third cookie, whatever it may be, taking a pause, which already takes work in itself to do, taking a pause and asking ourselves, okay, is this food going to make me feel physically comfortable? Is it going to make me feel satisfied? Am I going to feel like, you know, satiated by it? And am I going to feel happy after I eat it and really nourish, nourished? Is it going to help me feel energized, you know, or is it going to make me feel physically uncomfortable? Is it going to make me feel, you know, maybe a little sick? Am I going to have feelings of guilt and shame around it? Am I going to feel, you know, hungry shortly after because it didn't really give me the nutrients that I need? All of these are really, really important questions to ask yourself. And like, you can check in with yourself before, during, and after your meals and like, check in with yourself, ask yourself, like, how am I feeling? Am I excited to eat this? Like, am I feeling good as I'm eating this? Is this causing any, you know, GI issues for me? Is this causing any feelings of guilt and shame afterward? Reflect back and ask yourself, how did I feel about that meal? Like. Is that a meal that Mm -hmm. I want to keep it, keep in rotation? Like, is that a meal that maybe in the future, maybe I'll add something different or do something different with it because it didn't feel the best for me, you know? So like checking in with yourself about that. And like Kylie said, like thinking to the future and asking yourself, okay, in 10 to 15 minutes and in one to two hours, like how Mm -hmm. will this food affect me? that is going to be huge. Um, and then of course is the why behind it. So like, and I think that this is one of the things that most people struggle with is the yeah. why they're actually eating the food in the first place. Because a lot of times people tend to steer toward food when they are in a social setting or whenever they're fearing feeling peer pressured by a friend, family member, significant other, whatever it may be or they're also feeling emotionally hungry versus Mm -hmm. physically hungry. So they're feeling anxious. They're feeling scared. They're maybe feeling excited, you know? Like I like to celebrate with food, you know? Yeah, and And that's also
1: like removing, like that's that's what I was gonna say. I'm glad you bring this up because like it's okay if sometimes your why is like, I'm Especially happy like certain, certain cultural things like mm-hmm. food is a very like self food is how people show love like like I don't ever want to infringe on that and it's like okay to have food sometimes purely because like you fucking enjoy it like that's something yeah, to get it's past. tradition
0: it's culture it's happiness that's,
1: a, that's okay but like checking in with yourself and making sure it's like is that because I'm choosing that and I want to enjoy it or is it because I feel like if I don't everybody else will have an opinion about it if I don't people will yeah. pressure me if I don't I will Not hit my goal, I will hit my goals or I won't. Like, where is that? That why is like really thinking through that because, like, I just, I do think it's okay if that's your reason. It's just because, like you said, like, oh, I want to celebrate with my friends. Like, you know, like that's okay. But then also, if that's your thing, it's then asking yourself, like, okay, celebrating with my friends could be this piece of pizza. Why does it, why is it three? Am I really hungry for three pieces? Right. Or has that now become emotional? Has that now become, I'm binging on this because I, won't get it again quote unquote yeah like that's I think important too so I I agree with you I think that question is the most complicated for people because it is like a hard question I think to answer for yourself
0: it absolutely is and also just like kind of checking in again with those you know physical Mm -hmm. hunger cues like asking yourself am I low energy like am I feeling fatigued like is my stomach growling you know what I mean like again differentiating between the physical and emotional is really important um And, you know, just overall social settings as well. And, you know, I think how we kind of wanted to end this is just like going through a list of, you know, some of the really important ways that like we have both over been able to overcome binge eating and, you know, the, the overeating and also ways that we have helped our clients overcome these things as well. And, I will say that one of the very first things that I had to stop doing for myself is I stopped looking at food as good and bad and I'm just going to go on a little bit of a rant here because it's really difficult, especially now that I fi- find myself in a more, quote unquote, holistic and functional health space. Dude, where I'm so glad. I know where you're going with this. And I'm so glad. Yes. Where there is so much demonization of so many different foods and food groups. And I find myself constantly having this, I don't even want to say battle, but like, needing to play both sides where Mm -hmm. I am a dietitian who is never going to demonize foods and food groups, but I also understand that, yes, there are absolutely foods out there that are going to have a more positive impact on us than others that have a different nutrient makeup that have different nutrient benefits. And there are some foods that don't have those same benefits, but guess what? There are also foods out there that aren't as nutrient dense that also may have benefits towards somebody who once struggled with binge eating and can now eat the pizza without any issue or who once feared that donut so bad that, you know, it sent them into a mental health spiral and now they can eat it without shame. And so understanding that like, I just, I really, hate putting those labels of quote unquote good and bad foods because we need context around the situation and we need to understand that we have to look at both sides of, of the situation and there has to be context around exactly you know why we are demonizing something and calling something else "Quote unquote good," and whenever we have that halo around these good foods, and you know, like the devil horns on the bad foods, that perpetuates the notion that we cannot have those bad foods, and that we're "quote unquote" being bad for eating them, and then that simply perpetuates us binging on them and overeating them more because we restrict ourselves from them so much and because we're so fearful of them. You know, duality,
1: baby. Like I think. I think yeah. that this, I'm so glad you touched on this because this is actually just something I got into recently. And I think what's something I, you know, there are a million things, but I admire and respect so much about you as a dietitian. And like what you do as a coach is that you are someone who's so heavily involved in the functional health space with still mm-hmm. having it, like that still utilizes and sees the value of flexible dieting, like and understanding how those things can work together. And that is, seems like it's a rarity. It feels like we've switched, like done this huge, like it's that's how life always is right people don't exist in gray areas and it's frustrating like there's mm-hmm. there was you know that i if if it fits your macros era and now it's like biohack era like it's like mm-hmm. you know it's it's like there need there's never an in between and i just had yep. this conversation with someone else in my life recently that was like you know how they were actually brought up that they were like, Oh, I saw this post the other day by like, you know, somebody that's a, you know, a functional health practitioner or something that was like, um, we need to stop saying there's not good and bad foods because there is. And like da, 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 when it's talking about like, you know, functional health purposes or, mm-hmm. um, holistic health or whatever. And I, you know, I kind of stopped and I was like, I I was like, that is very dangerous for me, Mm -hmm. for you to like have that opinion. I was like, most people, when we're talking about foods not being good versus bad, we're not saying we're unaware of like, health focus versus not health focus or like nutrient density versus not most people are saying that are still wanting you to have 80 to 90% of your diet being those foods that you're saying are quote good. The nutrient dense options, as we like to say, instead, I was like, but it's, I was like that rhetoric is specifically applying to people who struggle with a mental relationship with food. And for me,
0: exactly, I don't,
1: no matter how health focused you are, it's very ignorant because mental health is health. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's very ignorant to say like that, that is, that, that we should classify things that way or that, that we can't have that mentality because it's, it's telling me that either you, that you don't have an experience with that yourself, or you don't have empathy for that type of experience. And Trial. it's, it's something that if you haven't been through it and I've noticed a lot of the people online who have seen this and maybe not all that I have seen a lot of it come more from male perspective mm-hmm. and there men struggle with eating disorders as well 100% especially like in the bodybuilding realm and stuff like that too but like it does it is a much more common experience for females and yeah. so to me if like you haven't had that kind of like experience like we have for example with food you, you don't really get a platform, I think, to be able to say, like, oh, we can't have this good versus bad rhetoric or that we should have this rhetoric because it, it is, it's referring to the mental side of things. Like, right. that's why we love to talk to our clients about nutrient density versus not, or like food, food that's like going to fuel you versus food that's for enjoyment. Like, I think those are such healthier ways to phrase it. And some people may listen to this kind of stuff and be like, it's just fucking words. It doesn't matter, but like, it does.
0: It does. It does <laughs> matter. And, you know, I'm all about food education over Mm -hmm. food fear and obviously there are more nutrient dense options obviously yes there are going to be foods that are more beneficial for hormone health internal health you know physical appearance body Mm -hmm. composition all of those different things but we cannot forget about the mental aspect of how we are viewing food and the words that we put around food as well, you know, and the phrases yeah. that we use with food. So, yeah,
1: because yeah. something we didn't even, and I won't, I won't go off on this soapbox for longer, but something we didn't dive that deep into is like, there are eating disorders for that too. Like orthorexia, orthorexia is an obsession with 100%. eating just nutrient dense, quote unquote, healthy foods. Like yep. you can overeat, restrict, you can, you can play yourself with any type of food. So like yep. it all comes down to that same conversation. Like no matter what you're eating, you can have an healthy relationship with it. So it just Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to qualify any of it as morally right or wrong. Like there can be, there have been people who like binge the fuck out of sweet potatoes because it's quote unquote good. And they are making themselves sick with overeating that, you know? So, um, yeah, I think I'm really glad that you touched on that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And honestly, another huge one, which again, kind of already touched on with myself was learning to eat enough calories. Mm -hmm. Most uh, so many times I see people who are struggling with overeating and binge eating. And it's really, really important to look at your overall diet, especially people who struggle with this, especially like on the weekends and everything like that. It's like, look at the rest of your week. Are we restricting? Are we actually giving our body the fuel that it needs? Because if we're not, that is going to cause us to want to overeat. We're not getting enough nutrients. We're not eating enough protein carbs, fats, fiber, we're not feeling satiated overall. And we're not enjoying the foods that we're eating likely if we are consistently Mm -hmm. restricting, like, I don't know about y'all, but like dieting does not give you the, the, you know, you know what I mean? Like the most variety and the most options, whenever it comes to food. So clearly we need to ensure that we are eating enough calories because that is one of the that is one of the biggest triggers whenever it comes to binge eating and overeating is simply yeah. eating and dieting, yeah. you know. So, and again, it doesn't mean that there is not a time and a place to diet, correct? Right, and diet in correct. the correct way, yeah. understanding that we can't constantly be under eating. Um, and yeah. you know, just some other things is like obviously like doing the inner work to, yeah, body accept acceptance. ourselves, body yeah. acceptance. I mean, we've talked so much about this. Kylie yeah, and yeah. went through. <laughs> through all, you know, each of our, we are uncomfortable podcast kind of touches a lot on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just some other really big things is like, whenever you feel like you are about to, you know, overeat or binge, um, you know, or you're feeling like you're in the spiral, a really big one that I used to do is like changing my environment and utilizing grounding techniques. So kind of like, allowing myself to remove my my physical self from the kitchen because that is usually where I did the majority of my binging. So I would leave the kitchen, I would go to a different room and I would change my environment and change what I was doing. So call a friend, go for a walk, pick up a book, do anything else and get yourself out of that environment. The other really big thing is like Talking to yourself out loud. I know we've talked about this before, but like getting yourself out of your thoughts and like into the back into the present moment, also utilizing like grounding techniques, like even just like. Looking at certain objects around you and like recognizing them and like grounding yourself to kind of like that outside um, environment is also huge because a lot of times whenever we're about to binge or overeat, we are inside of our head. We are in our thoughts convincing ourselves to do the thing, right? So that's going to be really important. Um, and also for me, like exposing myself to the foods that I would usually binge on, especially having like smaller prepackaged portions, like even to this day, like I love having like the mini sizes of candy bars or the mini things and everything like that, because that is a really, like, that does feel like a safe way for some people to transition back into like exposing themselves to trigger foods because having the giant, like bags and jars and boxes of foods that you can easily overeat like that mm-hmm. feels difficult to to manage yeah well i think
1: it's like taking the inverse of that stuff we talk about have talked about before from james clear right where if you want to develop a habit one of the things like make it easy make it obvious and he says if you want to break a habit you do the inverse right so exactly make it difficult make there be an extra step and so like i i think that for me it's like not an un- it's not saying that you're still unhealthy it's just taking those little steps forward so like bags like a bag of chips like you said they make the little individualized ones and that used to help me like be able to not overeat because i would be like okay that's it usually was enough to satisfy that craving you open up a little package of doritos and it's like an extra step you have to like You have to do just exactly what we're asking people to do is pause and think you have to do Mm -hmm. that when you finish one of those to go back into your cabinet, open another one and open it. It's like an extra step you have to take. So like some people have asked me, they're like, I don't see how that makes a difference if you have the whole bag of the tiny bags at your house. And I'm like, yes, but it does. Like psychologically, it's different than you can't just mindlessly eat all of that. It's the same thing where I've told clients before, if they want it, it's like, you could just take whatever you want, put it in a bowl and go sit down. Mm -hmm. And then don't bring the bag. And that could have the same effect, but it's still a little bit easier to just, you know, be like, okay, well go over there. But if you have to have a thing that you actually like open and redo a different package, like, yeah, it costs you a little bit more. But if you have the wiggle room to be able to do that, like it really is a tool because it most for the fact that it does just make you stop and
0: pause. Exactly. Yeah. I think
1: that's honestly it circles back to that tip you gave. Like it's that's the that's really the the hack of it is it makes you have to think about it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I I completely agree with that. And you know, obviously our last and one of the most important ones, one thing that I mean, I I did talk to someone about it. It wasn't a therapist, but you know, something that I wish I would have done sooner is talking to a therapist, talking to a professional, or talking to anyone about it. For me, it was my sister. My sister, um, was the one person in my life who truly knew how bad things were whenever I was going through those binge episodes. And she really, and now she is a therapist. So, I mean, she had a That's lot so of insight fine. for me back then. Um, uh, so shout out to her. She was like,
1: man, I'm good at
0: this. <laughs> yeah, like, man, I'm good at this. She was, well, she was, um, she was in her master's program too, because uh, technically I did yeah. Talk to a counselor. Um, But yeah, talk to a counselor, talk to, you know, a qualified registered dietitian. Like there are RDs out there who work specifically with active eating disorders, Mm -hmm. you know, talk to a doctor, talk to a family member, a friend, whoever it may be, talk to someone, like get someone in your circle. And also know that like, Kylie and I are always a safe space to come to, and we will always be here to also guide you to further resources as well. Like, it's just, it's so important to have that support system, like overcoming this is, is so hard to do alone. Yeah.
1: And, and I think that we both can speak to that. I mean, I, everything I just opened up, it's like, that would have been probably a much shorter and like less difficult time for me if I would have just like said something even to like you about like what was really happening. So, um, I think that, that's what probably the most valuable advice. And also understanding too, that like, if you do reach out to somebody just to have the space, if they refer you or tell you to get other help, please, I've had this issue before. I've had people Mm. feel this way and I felt this way. Don't take it as they're dismissing you or pushing you away. If they, if they direct you somewhere, this is something that's very serious and needs to be like handled by professionals. So if you're someone that's struggling and you happen to reach out to one of us or anyone else, and they're like, let me direct you to this or whatever. It's because we don't want to give you the wrong advice. Like we don't want to, you know, It's Mm -hmm. if you're someone who's been trying to like work with a coach and you've expressed these things and they're like, hey, I can't work with this, but I know people who can. I know that like when you have that mental stuff going on, it can just feel like you're continuously like this burden or like you can't be fixed or no one can help you. But it's because those people have their better interest at heart by knowing like they can't give you the help that you actually need. So please don't take like that as a dead end. Yeah, you deserve to get the help that is like actually going to. To help you and yep. there like Kara said there are people who specialize in this specifically and that's mm-hmm. who you should reach out to for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah yeah and I have amazing incredible resources of dietitians who do work with active mm-hmm. eating disorders across the board anorexia orthorexia bulimia binge eating all of those kinds of things and I will say you know I work with clients who have Binge tendencies, tendencies to overeat, or who have those previous tendencies as well. But I do not work with active eating disorders and And it's all like you said individualized
1: so it's it's completely yes
0: yeah and that's something that i will kind of like assess up front and see Mm -hmm. you know what's going to be the best um but yes we are always here as a resource and we'll go ahead and also link the resources in Mm -hmm. the show notes for y'all as well um like the hotline the the, um, chat text all of that kind of stuff but Yeah, this was a long one, but this was so neat. I know we thought it was going to be be short and quick, but. (laughs) such. I'm so happy that we dove so deep into this because I feel like this is going to live as a really, really helpful resource. And I'm just really glad that like we could both get so honest and that you were also like able to dive deep into a lot of new things as well so yeah
1: that felt good I don't know if you saw my chest was like turning all red which is like a sign usually when I'm that's how you know when I'm not lying for sure if I'm uncomfortable my like skin gets really splotchy look at my chest (laughs) it it is it
0: is too (laughs) hey but you know this is a safe space and we are 100% honest Mm -hmm. here we don't gatekeep from you guys so yeah and so you guys I mean Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And if you know someone who is struggling with disordered eating, binge eating, any type of eating disorder, please, 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 you know, talk to them. help them, you know, talk to someone else and refer them here to this episode as a resource as well. You know, we're always here. um, So check out the show notes for any other resources that we link. And, you know, if this resonated with you, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review, share this with someone, you know, needs to hear it. Tag myself, Kylie, the Not Your Quick Fix podcast, share this on your stories. And we will be back next week for a special guest episode. We hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll chat with you all next time. Bye guys.